Reading today from Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing our praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. This is the word of the Lord. So today we're going to focus on Thanksgiving. Of course, there's a good reason for that. But before um, I get into the reason for that, which you all know, um, how many of you know when Christmas is? The date, all right? December 25th, okay. So I have to admit something that's kind of embarrassing. Uh, last night, I was thinking ahead about a Christmas vacation, and I was trying to plan it out in my mind what part of Florida we were going to be in to see what relative and how much time we had after Christmas was over. And I said to my wife, now, what, what's the date of Christmas again? And she said, you're scaring me here. I was like... <laughs> The early onset of dementia for you. No, seriously, I mean, I ask that question honestly because for whatever reason, it doesn't stick in my head, the date of Christmas. Maybe I knew when I was a kid, but somehow it just kind of floated away. And here's why I think it is. Here's my defense. What's the date of Thanksgiving? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. See, see what kind of response we got, right? It's the fourth Thursday of November, right? What date is that? It's different every year. What's the date of Palm Sunday this year? Of course, blank stares. What's the date of Easter this year? Again, blank stares. Somebody knows. Well, I'll tell you, just, just for those of you who are curious, Palm Sunday is on the 5th of April, and Easter is on the 12th of April. And next year, it won't be on either of those dates, okay? Because it changes every year. So I'm not crazy. I just forgot that Christmas doesn't change. So here's the question. What is the best week to celebrate Thanksgiving Sunday? Thanksgiving Sunday. This week, a whole week and a half before Thanksgiving, or next week in the week of Thanksgiving? 
So seriously, how many of you think this week is Thanksgiving week for church? How many of you think next week should be Thanksgiving Sunday? Oh, good. You, there's even more of you who have an alternate opinion in this service than the first one. Um, I, I think it's interesting because we always bump up against this, and we always say, now, what, what weekend are we celebrating Thanksgiving? There actually is a reason we're celebrating it this week and consistently have always celebrated it um, in November and this can change too. It's because next Sunday is the beginning of Advent, right? And the beginning of Advent is not about Thanksgiving. The beginning of Advent is about the coming of Christ, which, of course, we should give thanks for. Thanksgiving is hands down my favorite American holiday. We've got other American holidays. Can't count Christmas and Easter and all that. It's not American. We got other American holidays. As a matter of fact, I like Thanksgiving better than the 4th of July. So some of you already think I'm not a patriot. No, I love my country. You know why I like Thanksgiving better? Because at least originally, the entire holiday was established for one purpose. To give thanks to God. That's all it was about. I mean, what can you do to Thanksgiving? How can you mess it up? There might be one way. You might just give thanks to a divine cloud or something and take God out of it. You might just give thanks for all the things you have, the material blessings and Give thanks to your friends, but to whom are you giving thanks? To them or also to God? We don't know everything that happened for the pilgrims. Lots of dispute about what the pilgrims did and how Thanksgiving first happened. But we do know this. The point of Thanksgiving was to give thanks to God. So today I want to focus on Thanksgiving, gratitude, And I want to use the Psalms to do it, three Psalms in particular. The first one is Psalm 100, and I want to read Psalm 100 in a different translation, one that most of you probably haven't read. Some of you will recognize this translation. It's called the Passion Translation. It was translated by a missionary from South America who was a linguist, and um, He's translated the New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, maybe on the Old Testament by now. Listen to the Passion Translation of Psalm 100. Lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead. Do it. Everyone. Everywhere. As you serve Him, be glad and worship Him. Sing your way into His presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God. For He is our Creator and we belong to Him. We are the people of His pleasure. You can pass through His open gates with the password of praise. Isn't that a great line? With the password of praise. Come right into His presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to Him. 
and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that you will be astounded. And he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Give thanks. Psalm 100 um, suggests right at the opening that we ought to shout loud praises of thanksgiving to God. Not necessarily quietly. Often the word is joyful noise unto the Lord. So when I think of a joyful noise, you know where my mind goes first? To children. Whether it's Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving or a birthday celebration, I think of children. They just say what's in their heart. They just shout when they're happy. They get really noisy when they're joyful. Probably the noisiest place on the planet is an assembly of elementary school students, right? They're just noisy. I think that's the the phrase the psalmist wants us to embrace, even though children's not in his phrase. Just shout to the Lord. Do it like kids. If it's there, don't keep it inside. Let it come out. If you suppress it, it's bad for you. Shout to the Lord your praise. Just do it. Everyone. All the time. This praise that God is instructing us through the psalmist to be engaged in, it has a reason. It's got a purpose. And its reason is because we have the authorization and the privilege to relate to the knowledge of God in a personal way. It's not just praise for stuff. It's just not praise for blessings, as great as they are, could be detached from deity. It's praise directly to God because He's your personal creator. You're not a mistake. You're here for a reason. You're loved by a God that is eternal. Your praise is related to the knowledge of a personal God. That God is your provider. He provides all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That God is your guide. He is your good shepherd, as Psalm 23 said, or as John 10 said of Jesus. That's the personal God that you give thanks to. So the, God is, the praise is directed towards a personal knowledge of God. And the praise in Psalm 100 is corporate too. It's not just individual. It's an invitation for everybody who's listening to come together and shout. It's an invitation for everybody to gather together in the sanctuary, meet communally, and gain insights in community, and share gratitude with others. You know what happens when I share gratitude with others? 
I forget about myself. It's hard to turn inward. I turn upward towards God. Psalm 100 is also about God's endless love and goodness. It never fails, says the psalmist. It's about his faithfulness because it goes to every generation, backwards, current, and forward. It's always there. Psalm 147 is another. I want to read you this psalm in the translation called The Message. Hallelujah. It's a good thing to praise our God. Praise is beautiful. Praise is fitting. God is the one who rebuilds Jerusalem, who regathers Israel's scattered exiles. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. I love that phrase, bandages their wounds. But by contrast, (laughs) if you're hurt and someone bandages your wound, it's all about you. It's care for your wound. So laying right beside that is this phrase. The same one who bandages your wound is the one who counts the stars and assigns each a name. He bandages your wound. And then he knows all the stars. All of them. And he gives them names. I'm sure it's something of a metaphor. But I kind of hope that whenever I meet God, he'll actually tell me what the name of every star is. Wouldn't that be cool? Our Lord is great with limitless strength. We'll never comprehend what he knows and does. God puts the fallen back on their feet, and he pushes the wicked into a ditch. Sing to God a thanksgiving hymn. Play music on your instruments to God, who fills the sky with clouds, preparing rain for the earth, turning the mountains green with grass, feeding both the cattle and the crows. He's not impressed with horsepower. I am. He's not. Not impressed with the size of your muscles because it means little to him. Those who fear God get God's attention. They depend upon his strength. That is a beautiful psalm. It's fitting and beautiful to praise God. Why is it appropriate? Well, let's just think about it in terms of human understanding for a moment. It would be absolutely inappropriate if I did not praise my wife. It would just be inappropriate. Now, not just because I'm her husband, 
Because there's many things about her that are just praiseworthy. And it would be wrong if you did not praise your friend when you recognize what is praiseworthy about him or her. It would be wrong if you did not praise a person, perhaps that you didn't even know that well, who was a wonderful individual, a leader perhaps. It actually would be inappropriate if you never praised that person. Now you might say, oh, now that just reinforces narcissism. You can't do it too much. Well, okay. When it comes to human beings, maybe so. But when it comes to God, don't worry. Don't worry. He deserves our praise. Because He's beautiful. Because He's good. Because He's powerful. Because He's just. Because He loves us. He's worthy of our praise. Let me put it another way. Not to praise something that is praiseworthy is just to be foolish and stupid and blind. I'm very often foolish and stupid and blind. Because I see something right in front of me that's worthy of praise, and I just pass by it. If you don't praise what is appropriate to praise, you don't have an attitude of gratitude, and instead you have an attitude of entitlement. And my friends, that's just ugly, really ugly. From the time my children were very small, and for those of you who are parents, I'm sure you did the same thing. You taught them to routinely say to another, thank you, didn't you? Thank you. How many times did you hear your parents say, say thank you? Why do we do that for our children? Because we want to train them that they're not the center of the universe and they're not entitled to everything they get. Sometimes people are just wonderful to them and they ought to be grateful. The psalm instructs us in the same way. It's fitting. It's appropriate to be grateful to God. Why? The psalmist says in verses 2, 3, 3, because... He cares for his people. Not because his people deserve to be cared for or because his people are more special, but because he does. In Deuteronomy 7, Moses was preparing the people to go into the land of Canaan. And he said, I want to remind you of something. You are God's people. He chose you. And here's why he didn't choose you. He didn't choose you because you were great. Fill in the gaps on great. He didn't choose you because you were great in number. He didn't choose you because you were smarter than everybody else. He didn't choose you because you were better than everybody else. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. 
Where's the credit in that? All the credit is to God. Praise God for his care over his people. They didn't deserve it, but he guided them like a shepherd and he healed their broken hearts. There's a third element of praise in Psalm 147. It's praise for his care over frail humanity. And again, it's in contrast to his marvelous glory. How about this phrase that comes from Psalm 8? You've heard it before. When I consider the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've made and put into place, what is man, humanity, that you're mindful of him, of us? But in fact, you've placed humanity just a little lower than the angels and crowned humanity with honor and glory. And you've actually delivered all these things into the hands of human beings to care for. Great is your name, O God. I give you thanks and praise for that. One of my favorite uh, authors in the Psalms is a man named Klaus Westerman. Uh, Professor Westerman spoke about this exact passage on one occasion, and he, he wrote this phrase. He says, praise God for his fatherly goodness in your life, for somewhere and in some way. Your life participates in something which is in sharp contrast with human frailty. I don't know what your week was like last week. But you may have been acutely aware of your human frailty. Maybe you realized how weak you were emotionally or intellectually. Perhaps you you felt completely overlooked, almost invisible. It may be that by the end of the week, you felt like you had no purpose and everything you did was purposeless. And you were just existing. This psalm and this quote remind you of something. That somehow, in some way, your human frailty participates in eternal reality. And when does that happen? When you orient your mind and your will and your heart around praise to God. When you recognize that you were created in His image and you give thanks for that and you say, my life is yours, God. Do with it what you wish. I cannot control it. I cannot be what I want to be. All I can do is love you and follow you and praise you. My friends, if that's our perspective, it's entirely different than insignificant, frail humanity. It's humanity infused by the power of God to do eternal things.
The psalmist reminds us of that. That's why praise is so important. He goes on to say we praise him because of his special care for creation. We praise him for his reciprocal love. The last psalm I want to mention is Psalm 150. And Psalm 150, by the way, I, I went, you know, to find all kinds of translations of these psalms. And I don't know how many translations I looked at. And um, I looked at translations for all three of them. And when I looked at various translations for Psalm 150, I realized there wasn't anything unique. Because the words were okay just like they were. No translator need to fill in the gaps to give it more glorious language. It just is what it is. You can't make it better. So I read you Psalm 150 from the NIV, which is just about like every single other translation. And it reads, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of trumpet. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Where? Everywhere. In your home. At work. In this sanctuary. And in the sanctuary of his heavens. Praise the Lord. Why? Because of his surpassing greatness. Because you can praise him for the rest of your life and not even get close to how worthy of his praise he is. How? Do we praise Him? With everything. With endless creativity. God invites us to praise Him with music and with words. Whether those words are analytic or poetic. Invites us to praise Him with material objects and with our bodies. You'll notice among the songs... Uh, that I referenced here, there's references, not just in them, but in other places, to praising God through dance. So, I, I haven't seen anybody do that recently in our worship services. It's like, we're just like, still got too much Presbyterian blood in our veins or something, right? It's like, nobody's going to dance. We do a pretty good job of throwing the hands up sometimes when we feel like we should, Others of us keep our hands in our pockets or by our side. Um, I don't think any of us dance. You know, first time um, that we're singing and John Mangrum goes out in the aisle and starts dancing, I, I, that's a sign to start listening for the last trumpet. <laughs> uh, there's some people are just not going to dance, right? But here's the thing. It's okay. Matter of fact, it's good. I guarantee you that if we were singing a song and you saw a four-year-old child 
overwhelmed with joy, run into the middle and start dancing, nobody would care. Everybody would think it was awesome. Why? Because the kid can dance? Probably not. Because the kid is expressing an overwhelming joy that he or she just can't keep inside any longer. The psalmist says, praise God with everything. Quiet music is not enough. Let's have clashing cymbals too. Somebody asked me in the first service, or or following the first service, they said, what's the difference between just a cymbal and a resounding cymbal? And I said, I hadn't thought about that too much before, but I think I got it. Now, I think, I think this right here, Doobie showed me how to do this, um, so I hope I get it right. I think this right here is a symbol. And I think this right here, is a resounding symbol. It means hit it as hard as you can. Just hit it as hard as you can. Because God is worthy of that kind of praise. And who's supposed to praise him? Everybody, says the psalmist. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So why is all this so important? Why does it matter? Number one, when we enter into praise, we actually join creation in what it's already doing. The psalmist said the stars are singing praise to God. Remember that occasion where Jesus was with his disciples and the disciples were shouting out praises to him along with other people, I mean larger than the 12 other disciples. And the Pharisees said to him, you better get these people to stop this. It's not appropriate. And he said to them, Oh, no, I can't, I can't do that because if I stopped them from singing and praising, the very rocks would cry out. That really made them angry, and you know why? Because rocks crying out are a reference to the Psalms praising God, all of creation. And Jesus is, in effect, saying the rocks are going to cry out for my praise because I'm God incarnate, and these rocks will do it if they don't. At Camp Olivet, I love Camp Olivet, Every year, I wish I was six again. I never got to go to Camp Olivet. We didn't have a Camp Olivet. And it's affected me psychologically for most of my life. <laughs> I've had multiple rounds of therapy over not having a Camp Olivet. But at, at, honestly, at Camp Olivet, there's a great song the kids sing that goes right along with this. It goes like this. Ain't no rock gonna sing in my place. Long, whoops, ain't no rock. Somebody needs to help me, going to sing in my place. Yes, long as I'm alive, I'm glorifying his holy name. It's like, no, the rocks are not going to do it. There's another reason I need to go to camp, so I can learn to sing right. Um, the point is, we join creation when we praise. It's already doing it. We join the chorus. The second is when we praise and why it's important is we're acknowledging a personal God. We're acknowledging a personal God. 
We're not just saying I'm grateful for this or that. We're praising God. See, we're, we're thankful for creation. But we're thankful to God. We're thankful for creation. But we're thankful to God for creation. Third, and this is a negative I don't think I've said much anything negative yet. This is a negative. Neglecting praise leads to spiritual darkness. Think of Romans 1. Paul said, for humanity, everything was revealed to them right there in the skies. It was obvious that God was there and was creator and these people refused to acknowledge God that he's talking about and would not praise him. And the result is that their hearts and minds were darkened. In other words, if you don't engage in praise, your heart and your mind is going to be darkened because it's a window to the soul to praise God. It's the way the light of God comes into your soul when you praise him. So praise Him because you don't want your heart darkened. And the final reason um, I want to mention that it's important, why it matters, is that praise is an antidote to emotional and spiritual ill health. It is. Last week, Dan preached on Psalm 73 in which the psalmist was struggling at the beginning of the psalm with issues related to life and how the wicked were prospering and how the righteous seemed to be persecuted. And he was wrestling with this and his heart was troubled. Enter the word depressed. I was despondent until I entered the house of the Lord and then it became clear. You know what happened when he entered the house of the Lord? He didn't enter the house of the Lord, I don't think, on his own. He entered the house of the Lord as most people entered the house of the Lord, the sanctuary of God, as a congregation. And when you walk in, you praise God. And while you're in there, you praise God. You sing loud praises to God. It was in that atmosphere, in that environment, that his heart was transformed. His mind was reconditioned. He had a new understanding of life, his and the life of those who did not follow God. His entire world was reoriented. So praise reorients our reality. It changes us from the inside out. The other reference I think of when I think of that is uh, Paul and Silas in prison. You know, when Paul and Silas were in prison, they started complaining to God. No. They started whining. No. With backs beaten and bloodied, they started praising God. They hadn't done anything wrong. All they'd been doing is proclaiming Jesus Christ and actually delivering a young girl from demons. And they got beat up for it. And instead of what we used to call molly grubbing, they started praising God. And you know, the end of the story, the the doors just broke wide open from an earthquake, and they were free. I don't want to suggest a 
an exact parallel that every time you praise God, all your chains are going to fall off and you'll have no problems. That would be some sort of prosperity gospel, right? Just do this and everything will be okay. But I do want to say that it's hard to praise God. Truly praise God and stay in the doldrums. It just is. And it opens up the doors of your prison when you enter into praise for God. So, let's take the admonition to praise God and extend it beyond the week of Thanksgiving, shall we? Let's make it a lifestyle because it's good and it's fitting to praise God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're grateful for um, your instructions to praise. It's interesting that you command us to praise and then the command becomes a blessing. You don't command us to do things that are onerous and even though they might be difficult, they are for our own good. And so when we praise you, we realize that it's appropriate, it's fitting, but it's also for our good. So we pray as we go throughout this week that we will refocus on things that are praiseworthy. You'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. And that through praise you will open the doors of our prison. And through praise you will open the windows of our soul. So that in praising you we may experience your goodness and find our hope our peace, and our satisfaction in you. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.